0: Uh, Hello and welcome. It's Empire, the Cop Insider yet again. We've got the lovely Neil Jones here with us to dissect all the latest breaking news around Liverpool Football Club. Uh, First order of business, really, Neil, you know, ahead of the return of club football at the weekend, thank goodness. Um, I just want to sort of, sort of discuss our start to the season because I think, you know, generally speaking, it's been a pretty positive, a pretty strong and you know, emphatic start in huge contrast, really, uh, to the general nature of the prior campaign. Four from the table, a point behind City, two behind Spurs. You know, you look as you, you can accept the points at Brighton against a superb footballing side. Bounce play, it seems a fair result. Um, but you, you do think, I suppose, we go back to Tottenham and we think, you know, Had the game been officiated to a high standard, Liverpool might have walked away with a point, maybe more. And then that changes the complexion of the table again. Um, But I think overall, reasons to be optimistic, really. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if you look at, as you say,
1: the general state of the the league table, three points off the top and, you know, not only that, but the fact that Manchester City aren't sort of streaking away at the top as well. So it, it, it feels a little bit more open at the moment. Um, I think the way Liverpool have played and some of the results they've had the fixtures that they've had as well especially the away games that that they've played already this season I think it does give real cause for optimism at the start of the season and yeah you're, you're absolutely spot on to say in in stark contrast really to sort of you know we were having this conversation on the 16th of October last year I think we'd be talking about a very different kind of mood and vibe around Liverpool I think if you look at the sort of next batch of fixtures that are coming up after this international break, you see that there's a real cause for optimism that Liverpool can really make some progress and put themselves in a in a very strong position. They've they've had a good start. That's all it is. But it's better to have a good start than a bad one. And, and Liverpool have put themselves in a position now where they
0: can build on it. No, absolutely. We're, we're going to get to that and the international break. I, I do want to uh, touch on transfers, which I appreciate always is a, is a tricky subject. Um, but, we you know, we've seen so much sort of pop up up Blate, it seems silly not to sort of pay notice to it. Obviously, you know, we know the situation, left-sided, left-footed, centre-half and a holding midfielder. We've seen plenty of names linked. Uh, I'm going to start off. Uh, with the holding midfielder, of course, because we've seen plenty of links since the summer uh, to Fluminense's uh, Andre Trindade. Um Obviously, the Brazilian Serie A ends in December, so it's optimum timing, really, once you're heading into the window. Um, there's also, I mean, there's been reports that have emerged of late from Brazil suggesting that Arsenal are also keen on the player, some vague references to Edu uh, visiting the training ground. I, I don't know if you've heard anything to back this this up, or if it's all just very much smoke and mirrors at this point.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a there's obviously a great feeling in Brazil that the player is probably ready to leave Brazil. He's he's now obviously a Brazilian international. You know, the age of him, he's probably. If anything, he's almost he's almost a little bit on the old side, isn't he? You know, twenty two it sounds ridiculous, but they usually <laughs> you know these players have usually left South America by that point. So he's he's certainly in a position now where I think he's he's going to be thinking about his move to Europe um, and big clubs. I mean, Liverpool were obviously keen in in the summer. I mean, I, I'm fascinated to see whether Liverpool do go back in for him because obviously they signed two midfielders post interest in in, in Andre and in, in obviously in Batara with though. Um, Ryan Gravenberg as well. So, I mean, it, that would be a fifth midfielder signed in the space of, you know, four or five months, which would be a huge sort of um, commitment from Liverpool to to, to, to to relaunch their midfield, especially when they've still got a few others, you know, by Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Thiago, still still knocking around as well. So, it's you know, it, it would be a massive sort of statement from Liverpool to do that. I don't know what it would say about... Like I say about Wataru Endo, um, who hasn't yet really sort of broke into that Premier League team, we'll we'll wait and see over the next few weeks. And I think there's I think there's a fair chance he plays against Everton, for example. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see whether Liverpool really sort of commits it to Andre or whether he was just a sort of an alternative for for last summer. In the case of they were unable to get other players, or they, you know they, they felt there was an opportunity there. Um, yeah but I, I think from his point of view and his, his 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 team's point of view and his agent and from Fluminense's point of view as well i think that you know the, the sort of feeling is yeah that it's probably the right time now isn't it for them to start looking and, and, and cashing in in Fluminense's case and and moving on in, in the player's
0: case absolutely I mean, when you're speaking of alternative we've seen uh, of late uh, i think i believe it was, i think it's christian falk of uh, build was talking about liverpool's interest in uh, manu kone of gladbach obviously as yeah. a player that Bayern or also Heavily, heavily scouting at the minute. He profiles quite differently to Andre, I'd say. Um, But, I mean, do you get the impression he's being considered as a genuine, viable alternative? Or is this just more a player, you know, Liverpool doing their due diligence, keeping an eye on the best talent in Germany at the minute? Yeah, I think I think that's probably more
1: more the case. I mean, he was he was obviously someone we'll never know, will we? I mean, he picked up an injury in the summer, which maybe, maybe influenced Liverpool's thinking around around making a move to sign him in the summer. He was obviously scouted quite heavily before that. Um so he, I mean it, it makes sense that he's still on on Liverpool's radar. You're right. I mean he's he's a very different kind of player, isn't he to Andre? I mean, Andre's a very he's a I wouldn't say he's unique, but he he's 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 specific, isn't he? You know, he's he's a he's a defensive midfield player who's not physically sort of huge as you know. He's 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 relatively small, but he's, he's his strengths are all in the sort of defensive midfield element to it. And obviously, in the summer, we were looking at Liverpool losing a player like Fabinho, who's you know very different to that, isn't he? You know, he's he's you know six foot plus and and aerially dominant and and those kind of things. So. It, it, I wouldn't say that it's sort of Kone or, or Andre in, in that sense. I think it's it's just players that are of a certain age, have a certain skill set uh, or, or potential um, as well. But yeah, I think Bayern Munich's interest might um, might be the sort of the, the, the key point in, in in Manu Kone's future. I think they might be looking and sort of it wouldn't be a surprise at all. That's their that's their M O, isn't it? Bayern Munich that they Hoover up the sort of the players who shine elsewhere in the Bundesliga and. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he, if he did end up there. They, they definitely need a midfielder. I don't think we saw in the summer that they had you no know, efforts to sign Joao Palinha and Declan Rice before that. So they're clearly in the market for a midfielder. They've just uh, let one go to Liverpool,
0: who looks, looks quite decent as well. I don't think they'll ever get over that to be honest will they I, <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't think decision makers at Bayern I mean, I mean I'll tell you what like I've said this before but you know the likes of Hasan Salihamidzic must be looking at this and thinking well oh, my god we've been vilified here yeah. you know I it, think, it's everything I think, obviously,
1: it just shows the value of environment, doesn't it? And and the sort of, you know, what what, what a player can do. I mean, Ryan Gravenberg hasn't changed as a player. Has he? You know, he's not he's not added new skills or new talents to his bow. He's always had those things. But for whatever reason, he either wasn't given the chance to, to show it at Bayern or, or, you know, the environment wasn't there for him to show it, whether it was the team system, whether it was the mood of the camp, whether it was the support that he had from the coaches. But, you know, listen, it's very early days in his Liverpool career and we haven't yet seen him sort of... As I say, starting Premier League games, but I think I don't think anyone who's watched him in the first few weeks of his Liverpool career could be anything other than encouraged by what we've seen from him.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. I, I did want to touch as well on sort of the stats sort of underlying um, Andre against Manu Kone because I, I did sort of take a look at this the other day, and for a team that you know, in Jurgen Klopp's own words, wants to become sort of increasingly possession-based. Um, Andre is incredibly reliable on the ball. Um, I think if you look at sort of his, his... In terms of the actual passes played, the accuracy of his passes played, puts him in top... I think it's above 95th percentile uh, for, across midfield peers uh, in, in world football, which is, you know, I'm, I know we have to factor in, of course, with all due respect to the Brazilian top flight, the quality of the league compared to, say, the top five leagues in Europe. But still, you you have to think that would be translatable to a certain degree if this is a a player that Liverpool have scouted well enough. Um, So that's encouraging. But I I think Kone seems, not, not to say he's less reliable in possession, but certainly... Yeah, I think, I think just a very a very different sort of type of play. And I, you just sort of look at sort of the stats underneath it and you think one makes a bit more sense than the other at the moment. Uh, but I digress. Um, I did want to sort of finally touch on one last piece of business, potentially, from Germany. Um, again, build a bit up into this. Uh, they've been talking about interest from Liverpool in former Leipzig employee Max Eberl as potentially their next sporting director to replace Jörg Smatka. My first thought from this was actually, you know... I think Schmacker did too bad a job in in hindsight uh, this summer when you look at sort of the players that have come in through Germany. As you rightly point out, of course, with Tura Endo, we've not really you know seen enough from him to make a clear judgment about you know whether, you know, whether that's been a positive signing or not. He hasn't really put a foot wrong yet. Um, but of course, when a talent like Maxi Bell comes around, you, you know you, you can understand Liverpool sniffing around here and saying, well, we'd like to be in the conversation, along with Bayern Munich, who are also in talk Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think, to be honest, again, to repeat myself a little bit with the Manu Kone but the Bayern Munich thing is obviously a very key part of that. I mean, airbell has got, you know, there's a big sway for, for, for you know, a sporting director role. But, I mean, the difference, I suppose, with that would be, would it, it would be a different role of Bayern. You know, he wouldn't necessarily be the man in with 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 all the all the sort of uh, all the keys, if you like. I mean, there's a, you know a very um, clear hierarchy at Bayern Munich, isn't it? With, with with various various people, and I know there's been a few changes there. Whereas with Liverpool, it would be you know it would be the top job, if you like, the sporting director job. Um, yeah, you're right about Schmadker. Huh? I mean, uh, I think I think the good the, the part that came from that build story was obviously they 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 expect. Uh, Schmeier to stay till till next summer and then it would be it would be um, whoever came in would take over from there but he's done a pretty good job I think you know in in very testing circumstances if you look at you know obviously all the stuff with Saudi Arabia you look at all the, the speculation that's gone on around Mo Salah's future obviously you know um but the fact that the midfield uh, and, and the squad in general really was, was sort of having to have a refresh with, with you know older players leaving and long serving players leaving Um and then a really difficult market as well, with some of the prices that we've seen, you know, and some of the, the the sort of the the impact the Saudi League, but also Chelsea had on the market. So I think he's done a decent job, you know. I think Liverpool have got themselves a, a squad that's decent going into this season and, and well equipped at the moment. Fingers crossed on injuries. So I, I don't think there's any sort of hurry to sort of get him out the door. You know, it's not a case of oh, Liverpool have made a mistake and employed this guy. I think I think he's he's. He's done okay and he's getting on fine with with the manager. Um but yeah, you're right, Max Abel's got a really good reputation in in Germany. I know it didn't end well for him at Leipzig, but he's got an, um, a very good reputation as as one of the best sort of executives going in, in the Bundesliga. So if he is on the market and Liverpool are in the market for a longer term sporting director, which they are, because obviously Schmeiker wasn't wasn't that, isn't that, um yeah, it makes sense that they they would be at least asking the question of, mm, we'll see, we'll see if anything develops on it, but I think Bayern Munich definitely muddies the water a little bit.
0: No, absolutely, but I suppose it, then it comes down to w- which longer-term project he fancies more, you know, he's obviously yeah. got loads of experience in the sporting director role, you know, you, you presume... That would be the, the role he'd he'd like to take at another another football club, but you know, certainly Bayern Munich will have some pull of their own, it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, um, and he's look, he's a Bayern he's a Bayern Munich guy as well, isn't he? You know, he came through obviously he came through their youth system and he's he's played for them senior level, albeit briefly. So yeah, you could understand if he if he had a real sort of pull towards towards Bavaria.
0: No, absolutely, hundred percent. Well we'll move on to uh the, the dreaded international break you know it's always I I say I do say dread because we do (laughs) come to this period and we worry about injuries and and whatnot and Andy Robertson sadly has been the first but hopefully the last uh, of Liverpool's international contingent uh, to return to Merseyside with an injury he's gone back to the club uh, to be assessed Uh, can you tell us anything new about some severity of of the injury because I mean I mean you're reading up online about shoulder like dislocations and can be anything from a few weeks to three months, depending on yeah. you know, what, what to do yeah. with surgery.
1: Yeah, no, we're still awaiting a sort of full diagnosis from Liverpool's end, obviously. The, the, I think they're all back in sort of today, the, the, the whole sort of staff and squad. So I think we should hopefully get some kind of clarity on, on that problem this week. I think you'd have to say we could pretty much write him out of the Everton game. It feels very unlikely that he'd play on, on Saturday. It was it looked painful, didn't it? I mean, it, at the time it looked painful as he was being led off. Um of course, yeah. yeah, I mean we have seen shoulder injuries before, and not we with Liverpool players and yeah, it's um it's never never a good sign. Um yeah, I think I think you I think would be a big miss. For the Everton game, I think you'd look maybe at the fixtures after that and you'd say, okay, maybe there were a few that you could have dipped them in and out of anyway, you know, with with sort of, you know, Nottingham Forest and Luton and Brentford and things like that. Not that you'd want to sort of count the points before you've got them, but there would be options there for Liverpool to do. Obviously, there's a couple of Europa League games as well. But the Everton one, I think he'll be a big miss. You know, he's got that sort of natural intensity to his game that sort of lends itself to a derby match. You know, he's able to sort of really... Do the right things in those kind of games, and I think Liverpool will feel his absence if he's not there. I think that the fascinating thing now is, assuming no further injuries, of course, is what what Liverpool do with with the team. You know, obviously Simacas is the natural left back replacement, um, but even Liverpool are playing that certain system with the with the left back staying as a as, you know almost a centre back. Does it lend itself to to something different? You know, can Simicass do that as well? I, I have my doubts. Um, would he you, would you consider maybe Joe Gomez as a, as a, as a left back and, and, and have Trent as the sort of the roving full back on the other side? I think there's a couple of options there for Liverpool. But yeah, Robertson, we're waiting for the severity of the injury. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a sort of, you know, oh, it's all fine. And he plays on, on Saturday. I think he's going to be at least a couple of weeks.
0: There's one other sort of alternative option that I think is worth uh, touching upon. Uh, even if only briefly, um, and that is, of course, it, it's a lad we've, we've spoken about in some depth. You've sung his praises from the academy, uh, Luke Chambers. I, I don't think yeah. you know, we'd, we'd sort of seriously suggest as a lad that we should just throw in and play ninety minutes week in week out for that, however long uh, Robertson is out. God forbid, it's an a, a extended period of time. Uh, but obviously, this is a player that is capable of playing. As your left back, as your left-sided centre back, yeah. You, you know, you think, ooh, you know, is this an opportunity for some minutes here and there? You know, you, you can see what it's done for the, you know, the confidence and sort of the development of sort of And you think, you know, oh, this is the, you know, if you if you're ever looking for an opportunity to kind of give an lad from the academy minutes and see what they're capable of doing at this current point in time, yeah. You might, I think why not? Yeah.
1: I think so. I mean, I think that that. Would Obviously, we wait for the the severity of the Robertson injury, but let's say, worst-case scenario, it was a few months. You've got a couple of games, then you've got the the Europa League games, you've got the Bournemouth um, League Cup game coming at the the start of November or the end of October. and That would maybe be circled in the calendar for someone like Luke Chambers. But the the one problem you've got at the moment with with maybe some of the Europa League games is you've already got Jarrell Kwanzaa sort of in there as well. So it, it, it does... It's not ideal. I mean, listen, Kwanzaa, to be fair, hasn't played like a, a raw academy sort of kid. As you know, he looks very assured and looks very confident. But if you put putting two two in there, it is, it is a sort of, you're asking a lot. But Chambers, you're right, he's absolutely spot on to point out. He's, he's played centre-back, he's played left-back, he's played actually in midfield. You know, he, he's a very, very accomplished footballer at academy level and he's played a few games, obviously, in Scotland. So, it, he is definitely one that, listen, you know, you, Regular listeners will know that I'm a big fan of his and, and, and feel feel he's got a very high potential there. Um, and out of out of out of necessity, sometimes comes opportunity, doesn't it? But I, again, we being I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh on, on Costa Simacasa, and I'm sort of saying, oh, he, you know, he can't. Do he's he's a left back replacement, isn't he? And he's probably the one who's going to start the Everton game. I, you know, I, I would sort of lean towards that one. Chance for him, isn't it? It's almost a little bit maybe he hasn't had. I don't think he's been particularly impressive in the games that he's played this season or you know, certainly in the last game and the Leicester game, wasn't it, that he, that he played in particular. He wasn't he wasn't overly impressive, but this is a chance for, for Liverpool maybe to say to him, there you go, look, you're in, you're in a big Premier League game. You've, you've done it before for us. You've, you've filled in. Can you, can you step up and, and, and be in Robertson's shoes? And if not, or if, if he does and then Liverpool have to find a replacement for the Europa
0: League to rest Simicash, the then Luke James is definitely definitely in the frame. I mean, it's it, it's the game to to make the statements coming in as uh, a Robertson replacement, isn't it? Uh, we're going to get onto Everton very shortly. But whilst we're on the defence, I do want to touch on uh, Virgil van Dijk. slipping um, through the news the other day, and uh, inevitably you sort of come across criticism of Virgil van Dijk yet again. And it just seems, if he's not being ruthlessly, constantly criticised by his own countrymen, he, I mean, he's being slammed by sort of domestic media. I think Clay Burley was the latest to kind of insinuate that the the, uh, critique that he was facing from his own countrymen was indeed on the mark and that he's no longer the player he was. Not that I'm suggesting that um, he's been absolutely 100% faultless this season, but I do read some of this and I just think it's constant. It's it's, it's a bit over the top at times, frankly, and we're still talking about one of the greatest Premier League centre-backs of all time, even if he has dropped a level. But yeah, I, I that's probably, you know, it, it just seems a bit over the top.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you're right. I mean, a lot of it's a bit of a Dutch culture thing, I think, isn't it? There's a lot of criticism of the national team, and you're seeing, you know, you can name up pretty much all of the Dutch legends from down the years. They've all faced it, having You know, Ruth and Ronald Koeman and, you know, Marco van Basten and whoever else. They, they, they've all sort of had their ups and downs, if you like, during their international career. Maybe that's just a sort of rite of passage. <laughs> Especially you're the captain. Um, I mean, they're, in, they're under pressure, aren't they? That's that's the. They've got a huge game this evening against Costa as Greece. They have to win that really to sort of give themselves a chance of qualifying for the Euros. If they lose that, it's it's lights out, really. So, of course, there's there's a pressure element to it. I think maybe there's an element as well that obviously Virgil got so much praise, didn't he, when he when he sort of moved to Liverpool and and, and led them to. All that untold glory. then maybe there's an element that some people are sort of, you know, maintaining unrealistic expectations, or, or sort of, you know, maybe didn't didn't like that element, and and are sort of now getting the money back a little bit when he's when he's having some difficult moments or games. I mean, there was a. I, I remember, obviously, back in the day, there was always this sort of thing that. If, if he ever got to sort of dribble past or, or, you know, beating in the oh, air yeah. or whatever, it was like it was almost celebrated by rival fans, wasn't it? As like you know, like a goal almost. And um, you know, he, of course, he had a difficult season last year. I think he's been pretty good at the start of this season. Personally, I think he, I think he's had a, you know, he's looked a lot more um, in tune and, and getting in the right positions and making clearances. And obviously, he's always very dominant in the air. Um, yeah, I think maybe maybe there's just an element of the price on the ticket for modern footballers, and maybe even you know a little bit more when when you're the captain of a, a country like the Netherlands who are undergoing a, a difficult period. But yeah, he'll come back on he'll come back on Saturday, hopefully injury free, and yeah, you'll get you'll get plenty of love at Anfield on, on Saturday. Don't worry
0: about that. Oh, 100, you can guarantee it. I mean, really, I think the only dodgy moment that vaguely comes to mind is perhaps the pass to McAllister for Brighton's yeah. goal. But yeah, after yeah, that you you can't. You, the, you, the, yeah. the
1: red card. I mean, course, that, yeah, is, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well,
0: yeah. Man, but, I enough, mean, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: I think general performance levels. If I'm watching him, I mean, there were times last season when he just looked a little bit lax, maybe, or a little bit sort of. A yard off the pace or half a yard off the pace. I don't feel that with him this season. I feel, I feel like he sort of looks like he's back, sort of, you know, confident in his body and his movements and things like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of games. I mean, I, he was outstanding in the Tottenham game, wasn't he? When, when Liverpool were down to 10 and then nine men, he, he and Joel Matip. So I think he's, yeah, he's he's in decent enough form for his club, you know, for his country. Okay. But not in a, a, a headed goal tonight and, a, and three points against Greece won't one fix.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Something positive to come into the weekend for. Um, what, what One thing that perhaps isn't attracting as much positivity, I, I want to bring up the 12.30 time slot, uh, purely because, you know, we have the news come through, of course, that Manchester City, uh, the away game at the Etihad would also be a 12.30 kickoff. off um, I believe it's the 16th. Klopp has had to put up with since he took over at Liverpool. Uh, our nearest competitor in that regard is Spurs with six, six. afternoon kickoffs. offs I, I think that's correct. Um i mean we, we talk about this all the time now, and we really we really don't want to be putting on the tinfoil hats here um but it does get to a point where it's becoming increasingly difficult to suggest that decision makers aren't deliberately making life liverpool's life here difficult i mean there's a difference of ten afternoon kickoffs between you know between the nearest it's not even vaguely. Kind of close here I, I just um, I mean ha, ha, what, what were your sort of thoughts when you, when you saw it I mean Is it just Is it is it coincidence Or you know Is there something Deeper lying No I think I think the
1: City one Is understandable In regards To the biggest game Of the weekend Obviously the, the pick You know Is there Obviously the It's deemed The high risk fixture Because of incidents Isn't it In, in, in recent years between, between the two sides And that's That's regrettable full stop, but that's had the the impact on this kickoff time, so I think the City won, okay, but you're right, I mean, you turn off seven, eight, nine games more than any other team, I mean, you can make the argument that Liverpool are the most popular, or one of the most popular sides um, for TV viewers and TV companies as a result, so you you would want them on your your channel as often as possible, Um, and they've been successful in that period, you know, it's not a case of they haven't been for example Manchester United where maybe there's there's been a dwindling interest in them because of they haven't been competing maybe at the top end of the Premier League as often but yeah it, it does feel a little bit like Liverpool are getting repeatedly the wrong end or the the the, the raw end of the deal um, you know the Everton one is coming up yeah, to Merseyside derby but at 12.30 again after an international play. obviously we had the previous one um, at the at Wolves wasn't it um, earlier this season and especially when you've got a lot of South American players, and you've got a lot of players who, who you know, have been traveling the world. In particular, Liverpool, have got four, haven't he, um, over in, in South America, who are going to be coming back in sort of early hours of what Thursday and Friday. Yeah. It really doesn't lend itself to, to ideal preparation, does it? And you know, I, I don't disagree with Yergin beating the drum. You know, that's the that's the point. I, lo- I know a lot of people you know, within football but also rival rival fans will always say, Oh, he's moaning again and he's you know, he's making excuses and he's this and that. But I think he's right to, to to protect the interests of his team and try to sort of shine a light on it. And the fact that we're talking about it on a podcast, the fact that it's widely shared on, on social media, you know, means that it's in the it's in focus, isn't it? And it, it does hopefully from a Liverpool point of view, it gives gives the the T V companies, the decision makers something to think about going forward. But <laughs> yeah. It was kind of ironic that it, it popped up that the third one of the season was going to be Liverpool City, that was going to be half twelve. But I think that one is a little bit, you know, of a, of a more isolated selection. The other ones are the problems, the ones when Liverpool are being sent to Wolves and being sent to Brighton and wherever else for those, those early kickoffs. I think that's that's something that maybe, you know, is a little harder to understand.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think mean, that's understandable. I think, as you say, I think the most important thing, obviously, is hopefully this gets out to you know the broadcasters and decision makers, and hopefully some when we are away from sort of isolated games and isolated circumstances, that this can sort of level out a bit. Because you know, as you say, it does it it does seem unfair certainly <laughs> when you're looking at the yeah. numbers. Um, but we will we will talk about the Everton game, and I think it's worth talking about, especially because how really Klopp goes about sort of picking his midfield three with Jones out for a further two league games. Gravenberg, you know, looks solid when he came on against uh, Brighton. Uh, might be food for thought there. I, I, what, what would you be doing if you were in the manager's yeah. position? I think, I was thinking about this actually this morning,
1: just before we come on, because I, th- I, I thought you'd ask me about this. and I, <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really difficult... Look, I think, given what we saw at Wolves, I think it would be a, a tough to start McAllister in the game I feel like I feel like that would be a risk that Liverpool have obviously taken already this season and it would be it would be too big a risk they've got Peru I think Argentina um, you know early hours of Wednesday isn't it the the, the game so I would I would go with Endo in in the side I would I would play him as a holder for a couple of reasons one obviously for McAllister's sake but also I think Everton obviously Going to have Calvert Lewin and/or Beto in inside. The They're going to be obviously looking to play up to so endos. Really good in the air. Obviously got those defensive instincts. Those, those, you know, basic um, defensive midfield sort of skills. He obviously moves side to side quite well and and, and covers it. I would I would have him in there. It, it's maybe not going to be a game where Liverpool are going to, you know, there's going to be a bit of tempo to it. So there's there's going to be a little less sort of onus on really playing really intricate stuff in 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 the whole midfield. There might be a little bit more sort of, you know, direct play in, in the game. So that might might suit him. So I would play Endo. i would play Gravenberg in the side. I think he's worth a start now. I think I think he's been very promising. He obviously hasn't been away with his, his country. He's gonna be fresh. He's gonna have a full, you know few days rest and then and then a week's full training. So I would have Gravenberg in the side and obviously Sobis like if fit and, and and hopefully uninjured. Obviously, you know, walks into the side, uh, and then you've got people like McAllister, you've got Elliott and um, hopefully, you know, maybe Stefan Bacetic people like that on, on the bench um, to, to change it if if needed. So yeah, that would be my three. I, I, I think. Listen, Jürgen might say, "Well, there's not, there's no, you know, there's no worry about playing McAllister. You know, he, he's reliable enough." But I think, I think, given what happened at Wolves, and it was so clear, wasn't it, that he wasn't quite. 100%. He wasn't quite almost yeah, ready really to start it. that game. Yeah. yeah. And I also think he's a very good sub to have, isn't he? You know, he's, he's, he's flexible, so you can bring him on for any of those three midfielders almost um, oh, yeah, if yeah, needed, yeah. If the, as the game goes on. Um. So, yeah, I would I would go with him, though, uh, as the holder, Gravenberg, and you know, Sobus
0: Sly, either side. Three of the four new signings. It's not, not bad, isn't it?
1: I'm fascinated to see Gravenberg. You know, I thought he made the. I know he missed the chance at Brighton, and, and you, you look back and say, oh, that was a big moment in the game, obviously, but he, I thought he made a big difference to, to Liverpool when he came on, you know, just in terms of his, he's such a reliable sort of ball carrier, great first touch, isn't he? You know, he's just hes just a classy sort of player, isn't he? And and the fact that he's getting into those goal-scoring positions, you know, you've got a tap-in against Union, Union San or he should have had a tap-in at Brighton, um, I think it really bodes well that he sort of looks like he's in, getting in tune with the team, doesn't it? And I think, yeah, I think it'd be nice to see him start a, a Premier League game, and no bigger game than, than than Everton, obviously for for Liverpool. You know, an Anfield game against Everton. If you wanna, if you wanna know what it's like to play for Liverpool Football Club, then you'll get a good in um, good insight on Saturday.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's a different position, but, you know, we were saying this about Nunez last season, weren't we? The important thing was that he was getting in those spaces. Um, It was Mm -hmm. uh, was the runs that he was making. So it it is positive to sort of see these uh, developments. And, you know, with great pressure uh, comes Diamonds, one might hope. Uh, certainly. It's it's a big game. It's a big game to return to. A dreaded 12.30 kick-off, Neil. But this is Liverpool Football Club and we've still got some pretty brilliant players that we can rely upon uh, elsewhere, certainly. Um, be very curious to see what happens uh, with that particular fixture. But, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, Empire. Oh, the comp, as always, If you've been Empire, the Cop Insider. Do make sure to keep track of all Neil's stuff at Neil Jones Call on X Twitter. And of course, on neil.j.substack.com um, for all of Neil's latest bits on Liverpool Football Club, on covering Liverpool. All premium content there. Really, really worth a look there. Get on it. Get subscribing. And of course, we have our own Substack. Everyone has a Substack these days. It's like blogs and podcasts. Um, at empirethecop.substack.com. You catch all our bits there, including this interview with Neil Jones. Thank you for listening and watching, and take care.